Welcome to a podcast for new adventure seekers, Destination Downriver. Hello and welcome to the April edition of the Destination Downriver podcast. I'm your host, Ron Henricks. And today's podcast, as always, is presented by our good friends at Market Insights and also our amazing sponsor, as it was last month, and we're so grateful to them, is Allegra Print and Marketing in Wyandotte. Our great friend, Greg Kowalski, continues to support this impactful and resourceful uh, podcast every month. So, Greg, I want to say on behalf of uh, the Destination Downriver team, thank you so much for your ongoing support. And again, that's Allegra Print Marketing in Wyandotte, Downriver's full service marketing and print communications company. And Allegra helps companies solve simple or complex problems through expertise, creative solutions, and a can-do attitude. That sounds like a great business. You can find out more today at their website, www.allegramarketingprint.com. And of course, you can search the Wyandotte location, or I have to mention, you can go to the Southern Wayne County Regional Chambers website and find uh, their online directory listing and get a lot of information about Greg and his team and all the services that they can provide to you. And that is swcrc.com. You can find our online directory there. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and dive into today's podcast. And today we're focusing on Michigan's sport fishing mecca. So there's a ton happening uh, when it comes to sports fishing here in the Downriver region. And as you know, every month we like to come to you and talk to you about uh, all the great things that are happening throughout the entire Destination Downriver region. And as we're uh, really st- starting to see the the, the uh, starting um, of the sport fishing season in our region, and of course the major walleye tournament taking place here uh, in the Detroit River, we thought what a great opportunity to bring in some outstanding uh, professionals in a panel to talk about Downriver's sports fishing. So we're excited about that today, and I'm gonna introduce our panel here in one moment. But residents of the Downriver area are fortunate that right here in their backyard run, run three of our state's great tributaries, the Detroit, Rouge, and Huron Rivers. By some reports, these are regarded as among the best fishing spots the Great Lakes state has to offer. In fact, the Detroit River is one of the most diverse and productive fisheries in the country. With the Detroit River's great structure, you can have access, or rather success, fishing for walleye, bass, to perch, and even sturgeon. In fact, I understand the Detroit River is home to over 65 species of fish. That's remarkable. Since we celebrated Earth Day recently, and earlier in the year saw a record-setting sturgeon caught in the Detroit River, which, by the way, made international news. The fishing resurgence and continued health of our waterways feels like a fitting subject, as I mentioned just a couple of moments ago. Our guest panel for today's fishing discussion are all category experts when it comes to the Detroit River and the resurgence of game fish species like walleye. Currently in the moment, that's the hot topic. Of course, walleye fishing in the Detroit River that annually attract in-the-know-sport fishing enthusiasts from all over the Midwest. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce today's panel, which, again, I'm very excited to have with us today, beginning with Mr. Bob Burns on, uh, on my far left, your, your far right, who is known as the Detroit Riverkeeper. 
and he's a Grow with Zeal resident, employed by the nonprofit group Friends of the Detroit River. So welcome, Bob. Thank it's you. It's great to have you. Next, we have uh, Sarah Thomas, and right in the middle, our middle panelist. And Sarah Thomas is the Lake Erie Unit Manager for, of the Fisheries Division with the Department of Natural Resources, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, Sarah is a graduate, has a, holds a graduate degree from the University of Michigan in aquatic ecology with a background in fisheries, aquatics, and was a fisheries research bi biologist. So it's okay. great to have you with Thank us you. today, to Sarah. Thanks for joining us. And then uh, last but certainly not least, uh, directly to my left and uh, is is Mackenzie, uh, and Mackenzie, help me with your last name, what, Wolitzek? Wolitzek, yep. Wolitzek, very good, I was close. You were close. close. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie Wolitzek, who is the stewardship director with the Friends of the Detroit River. So it's great to have you, Mackenzie. And uh, you, uh, with the University of Michigan, you have hold a degree in ecology and evolutionary bi biology, which mm -hmm. sounds uh, very important, very fancy, and extensive field background in restoring native landscapes and managing invasive species. So all three of you are quite the experts. Uh, and I know that we're gonna have a, a, just a great podcast today with a lot of great information to talk about. Um, and I have some wonderful questions that have been prepared for today's podcast, but I'm sure that there's gonna be a lot of other things that are gonna come up uh, during our discussion. So I'm excited to dive right into this and, and that's what we're gonna do. So uh, let's go ahead and do it. So our first question for the panel, and, uh, and, and again, we have such a, a great panel that I'm, I'm gonna try to call on specific people, but I, I know that you know your uh, areas of expertise the best. So go ahead and just dive right in, all three of you, when it's appropriate. Um, so the first question I have for you is, what's been done to help restore fisheries in the region and what improvements are planned? So. Um, you know, I think I'll, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and start with you, Sarah, sure. with that question, because um, I've been told that both you and Bob are kind of the fishery experts. Uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So one of the major things that started way back um, in the early 1900s was um, oil pollution was mm -hmm. a really, really big problem in the Detroit River. And um, there was an episode, I think, in the 1930s or 1940s where thousands of waterfowl um, died in the Detroit River and that really activated the public and got them protesting in Lansing and the state created some new um, water control pollution boards and started creating legislation to reduce the amount of oil. Um, if you read the statistics, the number of barrels of oil that were put into the Detroit River were just absolutely astounding. Um, and so that's the really first big thing that really helped lead to the cleanup of the Detroit River. Um, and then there was a national um, push to designate areas of concern, AOCs, and the Detroit River is one of those. And so through that program, um, the Detroit River and other area water bodies have been able to get a lot of federal funding. Um, and that has gone into some really great partnerships um, with different organizations. Canada has been instrumental as well. So obviously, you know, we're a bi-national water body. So mm -hmm. both nations have really worked hard to clean up the Detroit River. And one of the partner organizations that we have worked with um, to work on a lot of these habitat and cleanup projects is um, Friends of the Detroit River. And so I'll turn it over to Bob, who can talk about um, a few of their specifics that they have worked on. 
Thank you, Sarah. Yes, the Friends of Detroit River has been working uh, with the, as, uh, on the area concerns uh, since 2005. We were asked by uh, EPA and uh, um, the state to uh, take over uh, running that. And as fiduciaries, we've been working on a number of projects. Um, with the funding that the, came in from the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative that provided money uh, to do these projects. And we designated around 16 projects that we were going to do in the area. And the goal here was to create uh, fish and wildlife habitat and help increase the populations. And uh, we've done a number of projects. Um, we've done a large project on Belle Isle. Um, we've opened up the Blue Heron Lagoon and Lake Okanoka to Detroit River, allowing uh, fresh water to come in that area. It makes for a great nursery area for the spawning fish just upstream of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've done other projects. Um, the couple that we're working on now, we've cleep, uh, completed one down on Stony Island. Um, Stony Island is a, a piece of property owned by the state, uh, managed by uh, the uh, Point Moulay uh, um, game area. And uh, that project was to protect the wetlands there. We put in some shoals to, uh, to rebuild uh, and protect that area. And uh, that's creating great habitat both for uh, um, fish and uh, other aquatic species. We've done a similar project down on uh, Celeron, uh, which is in the very lower end of the Detroit River, another uh, piece of property that's owned by the, uh, the state. And uh, we're currently working on another project on Sugar Island, which is owned by Fish and Wildlife Service. And uh, that project is to create some more shoals of the south end of the island to help reduce uh, erosion and create fish habitat and, uh, and fishing opportunities. So um, along with these and some installations of some reefs in various parts of the river, um, these projects have helped uh, recreate some of the lost habitat that Sarah was mentioning that was impacted by uh, pollution and other uh, uh, industrial and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and urban sprawl issues and, and loss of uh, shoreline habitat. So uh, really since uh, early uh, 1900s, uh, when uh, the pollution issues were really, uh, really bad, um, things have improved uh, considerably, and uh, these habitat projects we're uh, implementing are helping uh, make a lot more fish habitat mm -hmm. and a lot more uh, um, opportunities for people to use uh, and go out on the water and, uh, and uh, fish and, uh, and recreate. Yeah, that's great, Bob, Think, and, and Sarah, great information. And I don't know if you noticed, but we've been showing different photos as you were speaking of uh, different species of fish, and um, one of them, obviously knew that you were the river keeper because it seemed very passionate about you and had its mouth wide open right <laughs> over your head so <laughs> but uh, it, it's you know there's a there it is right there <laughs> so by the way what kind of what kind of fish is that that's a walleye that's a walleye yep. oh beautiful we have a walleye um and you know with an island called sugar island no wonder there's so many different species of fish. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in an area where there's a ton of sugar at Sugar <laughs> Island? So, not just a joke, anyways. Um, so, the next question I have for you, um, in, in again, we're going to focus a little bit on walleye now, in since we have a picture of a walleye on the on the uh, on the screen here. But each spring, as as many as 10 million walleye leave their deeper areas of Lake Erie and travel up the Detroit River to create something of a fishing frenzy. Back in 1978, the walleye population of Lake Erie was considered in a crisis. How is the walleye population for this 2022 season? And, and Bob, I'd like to throw that over to you if you don't mind. I think I'm going to pass that one to Sarah oh. because she's a fisheries expert and I think she can give us specific numbers on where the populations are right now. Sounds great. Um, yeah, so Lake Erie is very unique of the Great Lakes and that is by nationally managed and all of the surrounding states and provinces um, have a role in the management and we are the only lake that has a quota system set up for walleye and yellow mm -hmm. perch. 
So it's one of the most intensely monitored and studied um, populations of fish, I would go out on a limb and say in the world, um, oh, wow. definitely in the United States. Yeah. Um, outside of you know some of the um, cod stocks or things like mm -hmm. that so we have a great wealth of information um, we do angler surveys um, so you will see my creole clerks out there at Lake Erie and the Detroit River this year interviewing anglers about their catches and how much time they're spending out in the water and then each state has research stations that are out there doing scientific surveys mm -hmm. um, and then we get the commercial catch data from Ontario as well so all of that information is compiled and goes into some pre predictive models and we track that through time mm -hmm. um, so the estimate for 2022 so this year is that there will be almost 76 million age two or older walleye oh, wow. in Lake Erie. Um, so yes, yeah, so if we take a look at those tagging studies that show about 10 to 15% of walleye mm -hmm. um, move up through the Detroit River during the spawn, um, that projected run for the Detroit River could be anywhere from seven and a half to 11 million walleye this mm -hmm. year. Uh, we've had really, really strong reproductive year classes um, in a row. So 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021 mm. were all almost off the charts as far as the number of walleye that survived from mm. age zero to age one and will then recruit into the fishery. So next Amazing. year, it's estimated that there will be over 100 million walleye age two and older in Lake Erie. So mm -hmm. yeah, there were a lot of um, problems in the 70s for sure. Um, the mm. fishery all the way down from Saginaw Bay down mm -hmm. to Lake Erie was closed for mm -hmm. two years due to mercury concerns in the 70s as well. Yeah. And that um, there's still fish consumption advisories, but mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it is much better than it was. Um, and so, yeah. So it, today it's, it's safe to eat the fish. There are the still, there are still consumption advisories and those okay. are available through the Department of Health and Human Services that do, or the Eat Safe Fish guides um, and those are updated um, annually mm -hmm. but yes um, safe to consume um, you know a certain amount mm -hmm. of walleye each year yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah the, the fishing is they used to call the 80s the good old days yeah. and now we're saying the good old days are back the good old days are um, back. because yeah. it's yeah. you can almost walk on walleye out there is, now, is there so. a certain point you're, now you're you're um, telling me that there's going to be potentially over 100 million uh -huh. will be the population in Lake Erie um, is there a certain point where there's, it's considered an overpopulation? Um, there are some, some people who have concerns that maybe because there are so many walleye that, um, you know, they're eating, say, perch, which is another really popular sport fish. And certainly mm. they, they do, you know, they're a mm. top predator. So yes, they're going to eat other fish, but mm. we haven't seen a dramatic increase in the number of yellow perch in walleye stomachs. Um, and really when yeah. you get concerned about overpopulation is when the condition of the fish starts to deteriorate. So if you start to see really skinny, you know, sickly looking walleye, yeah. and as you can see from the photos, we're not seeing that at all. We're seeing yeah. really healthy, good growth rates um, on these mm -hmm. walleye and you know the the cycle goes up and down right yeah. through the years and walleye and yellow perch and all those other species have coexisted in the lake for thousands of years so mm -hmm. um, in that instance you know if we did ever get to the point where the condition um, started to um, decline then we might increase you know the bag limits or things like that but I mm -hmm. think 
I don't think we'd ever get in that situation, at least based on what okay. we're seeing now. So. Interesting. Um, Bob, I got to ask you, uh, as our Detroit Riverkeeper, uh, which is a tastier fish, yellow perch or the walleye? <laughs> what would you suggest? Well, they're both very good. Um, some people are uh, specific to walleye and other, others like perch. Um, I like them both, and uh -huh. uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay, good, good. You Sounds can't great. go wrong with either yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're, both, they're both good. Mackenzie, I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, I'm, I, I'm not going to leave you alone. I got to pick on all of you. So, um, so the, the next question I think will probably be kind of a tag team, maybe between you and Sarah. Um, but it is what what improvements and success stories have you seen in the aquatic community and game fish population in the Detroit River? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think Bob touched on a few of our habitat projects with Friends of the Detroit River earlier. Um, a lot of those have been created specifically for protecting backwater areas. So there's mm -hmm. more um, habitat available for fish spawning and nesting. Um, that follows through the whole entire food web, which ultimately brings more fish and wildlife to these areas. Mm -hmm. um, and so making our impacts even greater. Um, one I think that he didn't mention was Hennepin Marsh which is also um, at the lower part of the Detroit River, not as far down as Sugar Island, yeah. um, but still around the Grozeal area. Mm -hmm. And that's another um, project that has been working mm -hmm. on and having pre-design um, mm -hmm. and hydrology assessments done to really see what type of capabilities can mm -hmm. be done with that type of area. To, um, get, to give our viewers and listeners um, kind of a visual image, so Hennepin Marsh, um, it's, it's actually on Grozeal, correct? Can you kind of locate that for us visually yeah it's um actually right by the the toll bridge oh it's by the toll bridge okay gotcha yeah so, so it's northern girls Hill. yes yeah. yep and um it's completely you know in the mm. water it, it mm. is the, the marsh itself it's gotcha. not like um not some of our island. other projects where <laughs> yeah we're focused around an island mm. so this one has a unique perspective of kind of the actual in water aquatic habitat mm. um whereas the others we're really protecting um existing environments and making them a uh, more robust area for that spotting. Okay, very interesting. Sarah, did you want to add anything to that? Um, sure, so yeah, we talked a little bit um, about pollution at the beginning, and I think another mm -hmm. thing that most people don't realize happened in the Detroit River um, way back then was that they dynamited out a ton of natural habitat from the Detroit River yeah. when they were creating the, the shipping channels. Yeah. And yeah. so the native fish species lost a lot of their really valuable spawning habitats, mm -hmm. um, which is now deeper water. And so that's where a lot of these projects come into play is that we're trying to return some of that um, mm -hmm. natural spawning conditions. And so we have the five um, sturgeon spawning reefs mm -hmm. that have been constructed in the Detroit River and all these other habitat projects. Um, and so while one of the main focuses was for lake sturgeon, we're finding a lot of other native species such as lake whitefish, mm -hmm. um, walleye, and other species using those reefs as well. So just the entire um, fish community as a whole is really coming back um, really strong and that we're seeing the numbers of lake sturgeon that we are um, because they are um, a species that really needs good water quality. So definitely, you know, good signs yeah. um, for the Detroit River. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting, um, that, that process that you just mentioned um, and described with you know, basically putting dynamite in on the floor of the Detroit River and blowing it up to create those shipping channels. Um, do, do you know 
I wonder how many people know that that occurred. Is, do you know when that potential or uh, approximately when that was taking place? I can give you a little, Bob, little history yeah. on that. Yeah, the uh, the Livingston Channel was one of the mm -hmm. first channels that were dug in the Lower Detroit River, and uh, yeah. the uh, project started around 1904. Oh wow! And uh, they finally completed the last part of the Livingston Channel around the 1940s. Uh -huh. And uh, they 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 drilled and, and blasted. Um, tens of thousands, millions of tons of stone out of that. Wow. And the bottom had an undulated bottom on it, and it was, that's where the fish spawned, the, the, the sturgeon and the mm -hmm. walleye. And when they blasted out the, uh, the channels, they're basically flat bottom now. So mm -hmm. we lost all that habitat. Oh, yeah. So these reefs, fishing reefs I mentioned earlier and that Sarah talked about um, uh, were, were uh, installed in various parts of the river to help mm -hmm. try to recreate some of that. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the work that we're doing with these shoals um, we're using that same limestone uh, type material, yeah. and uh, that's creating a lot of uh, in-water habitat and aquatic habitat. We actually have examples of uh, indicator, we call certain species in the river indicator species, the ones that mm -hmm. were kind of, uh, uh, mm -hmm. populations have dropped uh, due to all the impacts over the years, and we're looking at those to, to see uh, uh, how well the uh, environment is coming back. And uh, you know, eagles are certainly one we're looking at is in the bird category, but uh, sturgeon and uh, and other puppies, but we have uh, uh, what are called mud puppy, which is an aquatic salamander, a large uh, um, aquatic uh, mm -hmm. uh, amphibian, and um, they really need uh, or benefited from having a, a rocky bottom because that's where they like to yeah, live and that's yeah. where they like that. Yeah. As we've been building these shoals in various parts of the river, um, um, we've had uh, folks from the Detroit Sioux that have been monitoring for, for um, um, the mud puppies, whose populations have dramatically been dropping over the years. They found that in the areas around where we're building these shoals, mm. the populations, there's a huge number of, 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 of these mud puppies that are now utilizing these areas. So that's just one example of, of, of many um, where the habitat restoration work we're doing is not only helping benefit fisheries, but all kinds of other uh, of, of, of the uh, rivers, uh, um, animals as well. Yeah, it's remarkable, you know, when, when you touch one part of your ecosystem and it impacts the entire ecosystem and, and every species that's you know that resides in that area um, but that thanks Bob for describing that because it, it's you know a process that started in 1904 and concluded in the 40s most people alive today probably are not even aware of that and that would have been very interesting to, to witness that you know the those the dynamite exploding in the water what you know I wonder what that looked like <laughs> it was, you know yeah if you yeah, can Google some of the, the, the images they're yeah. pretty astounding oh I'm sure yeah, <laughs> yeah there, 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 there's some yeah. there's some good photographs of, of mm -hmm. what, what what they did was when they're building the upper part of the Livingston Channel around Stony yeah they actually started putting in the shoals on either side and then they blocked off the upper and lower part of the channel mm -hmm. and they came back to to, uh, to dig a little deeper you can actually see the steam equipment down there oh, and wow. you can just see the bottom how flat it is where they blasted it out so That's it, it really it really that? changed the topography of the of the bottom of the river and and the channels were not only down in the lower river in mm -hmm. the Livingston but we we've yep. got over 60 miles of channels that go all the way up to uh, the upper end uh, up towards St. Clair so oh wow so the main areas of the channels yeah. where the uh, steamships could come down yes. and uh, so, um, in thinking about where Grozeal is, um, with Grozeal being such a large island, uh, I, I know today most of our um, uh, freighters uh, go along the, the east side of Grozeal. That's where the shipping channel is. So, back then, were, were they coming on both sides of Grozeal? Do you know? Or uh, was, was the shipping channel created on both sides of the island? In, initially, it was created out in the Livingston Channel, but then they blasted uh, the channel all the way down past the Grosseal Toll Bridge, uh -huh. past the County Bridge, and then there's a turning basin in front of the uh, uh, Detroit Edison Power Plant. So okay. that whole area from there, yeah. all the way up to the north end of Grosseal where the channels mm -hmm. combine, 
yep. just all of them blasted out. So. And where that turn basin is, speaking of walleye, that from what I understand, that's one of the most popular spots for walleye fishing. Well, just below the turning basin in the area of the river, which is still natural, mm -hmm. you still have that undulated bottom. Plus, you've also got some impacts from the power plant that provides warmer water there that kind of gets the fish uh, moving earlier in, this, in the year. But, but that is one of the reasons why that lower area there below um, the, the Gross Hill County Bridge and, and below the turning basin is such a good fishing area because it still has that natural mm -hmm. uh, rocky substrate that we had all through the river at one time. Yeah, that's great. Very interesting. Um, so th that's a great segue into our next question. And I'm going to, I think this is probably going to be good for both Sarah and Bob again. Um, but it says that the question is the downriver region of the country has been referred to as the best walleye fishing spot anywhere in the world. And I think you can argue that uh, with a very solid argument. Uh, that certainly didn't happen by accident, but by design, correct? Sarah or Bob, you want to take that on? Um, yeah, I would say a little bit of both, right? Yeah. Mother Nature yeah. definitely uh, has, a, has a big role in sure. that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, just um, getting getting the word out and the accessibility. So um, the amount of shore fishing access, you know, a lot of the industry has been removed. We have the basically in the entire Detroit Riverwalk area that people can now shore fish from. Mm -hmm. um, there certainly is a lot of um, effort. So the last creel survey that we did in 2015 on the Detroit River, we estimated um, almost a half a million angler hours of effort through the entire um, open water fishing season. Uh, this year with the walleye numbers that we have, I would expect that to be even higher. Um, mm -hmm. If you try to launch your boat at any of the, you know, boat ramps right now during peak fishing season, it's a uh, difficult, you know, huh? there's yeah. a wait. Um, so there always could be more access, um, certainly. But yeah, um, like you mentioned, it draws in, you know, people mm. from all over, all over the Midwest and whatnot, yeah. because yeah. you can get out there, get on your boat, um, catch a limit in a really short amount yeah. of time and go yep. back and do it the next day. Well, well that brings up an another really good point. And the fact that we're, all these people are coming in to the Downriver region right now to take advantage of this amazing walleye fishing season. Um, and if you think about me as the president of our regional chamber of commerce, I always think about the economic impact of anything. Um, and so Mackenzie is a stewardship director. I don't know if, the, if that's something that you look at from time to time, but do, do you ever think of, or do you ever, um, do you ever look into what the economic impact is for our region? When, when you know we draw in these kinds of crowds for you know for the great sport fishing that we have yeah um, I know just in general our Great Lakes fisheries mm -hmm. on an annual basis can range between four and eight billion dollars for mm. uh, you know not just residential and co but commercial use and yeah, um, all of that it's, wow. it's an astounding number mm -hmm. um, I can't say I would know for our mm -hmm. specific area yeah, in particular yeah. but yeah. having that much um, momentum coming into our area is mm -hmm. also another great um, opportunity to educate fishermen mm -hmm. about um, clean drain dry and mm -hmm. making sure that they're not bringing any unwanted right. aquatic hitchhikers with them mm -hmm. into our areas mm -hmm. and conversely bringing them back with them to wherever they may call home. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that Mackenzie and we'll talk, I think we'll talk more about stewardship and, and uh, kind of your area of expertise here in a moment. Um, but Sarah, you also brought up an, another really good point. The fact that is there's such a, 
you know, maybe a traffic jam for lack of a better term right now with all the boats. And um, so you don't have to own a boat to take advantage of the amazing fishing opportunities we have in the Downriver region. Uh, so fishing piers throughout, throughout Downriver are abundant. And how much has accessibility to our rivers influenced the health of the waterways and resurgence of the various fish species? Um, yeah, so I think the closer that people can get to a waterway, right, the more mm -hmm. connection and um, sort of develop a relationship with it and they're going to care, you know, more about it and how that can grow. And Bob is on the river, you know, yeah. almost every day. Now, wait, Bob's on wait. a boat. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, and by the way, Bob, but I love your Facebook <laughs> image because it's, I think it's, um, uh, it's not the Saginaw, but I'm trying to think of what freighter is right behind you yeah. from the Lower Lakes Towing Company. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's just an amazing photo, by the way. I love it. Mm -hmm. Just have to make a side mark or side remark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Bob, you know, when he's up and down, I'm sure he's seen, um, you know, all the people fishing from mm -hmm. shore, and so I'll let him speak to mm -hmm. um, maybe some hot spots and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. I, I spent a lot of time on the river all year round, but particularly in the springtime, we were we just uh, had our. Uh, Friends Detroit River cleanup this last Saturday, yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, you're exactly right about um, um, backups at boat ramps because mm -hmm. I was there uh, launching the uh, cleanup boat crews to get out on the water, and uh, people were coming in and wondering if they could uh, put in at the uh, at the at the park that we were at, and uh, and because they were saying all the other uh, boat ramps are, are full, and uh, and and again, there, uh, as far as fishing, you don't you know you know there is access certainly by boat but um, there's plenty of opportunity along the river as Sarah mentioned and uh, you know we've had a number of uh, new facilities that have been opened up uh, uh, along the Detroit River all the way from up in Belle Isle all the way on down but particularly with the areas like um, the, uh, the refuse they've mm -hmm. got the new fishing pier in and that was kind of designed so that it comes far enough out that it's right out in that area where I was talking about earlier in the Lower Trenton Channel where where the walleye are at and are spawning in the area, you can catch walleye off that pier. So they've been doing very well yeah. off of that pier. And oh yeah, uh, it goes, I mean, I, I don't know if you know the exact feet. It goes out into the Detroit River, but it's a significant. Yeah, and it was uh, it was designed that way to get oh, it out into yeah. that, that area where you're mm -hmm. out into the deeper water where the fish are at. So yeah, they've done yeah. very well there. So um, That's great. yeah, right now, I you know, every year we, we seem to get more and more, but as Sarah said, you know, the more fish that are out there, you know, the more people that want to come out and fish. And uh, again, it was amazing last weekend you, you could yeah. literally walk on boats yeah. to go from gross seal to the mainland <laughs> in the lower trenton channel there were that many boats out there right and, uh, so if the bridge ever goes down again maybe we just, <laughs> yeah. yeah wait for but, walleye uh, fishing season to get across but again you know when you've got the numbers we do and you know as you know you're ask, asking if, if the area was created artificial but you know you've got you've basically got you're funneling all these fish that are coming out of lake Erie to come up and spawn and they're coming to a fairly narrow channel through mm. either side of uh, of gross seal there and uh, you've got a lot of fish in a, in, in a little area, and it's a, it makes for a great opportunity in the spring for fishing. Yeah. Not only for walleye, but uh, you know we have other species that are great sports fishing, like uh, uh, silver bass. A lot of people catch those. So people catch those off the shoreline, and uh, but they're fun to catch on light tackle out in the, in the in the river as well. So mm -hmm. um, you know between that and our perch and all the others, you know we really have a tremendous fishery, and and the numbers, you know, Sarah can back that up, but the numbers are showing, you know, pretty good population, super population for walleye, and good population mm -hmm. for perch. So we're really fortunate that we're in a time period where mm. there's a lot of fish in the river and uh, you know makes for great fishing and sporting opportunities for recreational fishermen. You, uh, just a moment ago you mentioned that I think it was this past Saturday there was a, a cleanup effort with the Friends of Detroit River. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are probably listening and they want to be involved in those kinds of initiatives. 
Um, so Mackenzie and Bob, how, how could somebody get involved with the Friends of the Detroit River? I'm, and, I'm, and help I'm, out? I'm going to pass that to Mackenzie because <laughs> yeah. that's she. She was that's uh, her area. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, we're always looking for areas to clean mm. up and for volunteers to come join us. Mm. Um, we had a great turnout at last weekend's Earth Day cleanup event. Mm. Um, I actually uh, led a group at the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge, and I had exact eyes on the situation you guys mm. were talking about. The fishing pier was loaded and hundreds yeah. of boats out there. Um, but we are hoping to do more of those types of events and mm -hmm. um, you can always follow us on our website mm -hmm. at friendsofthedetroitriver.org and um, we can reach us at river at detroitriver.org for our email. Mm -hmm. um, we will accept different locations for um, cleanups mm -hmm. and uh, we have all the tools necessary to go out and perform them. Uh, we actually collected over 1,500 pounds last weekend with mm -hmm. all of our volunteers. Um, and it's really just nice to be able to have everybody out there and, and get that kind of work mm -hmm. done. Um, yep. We not only do them from the, the shores, but, but as Bob mentioned, we take people out on the boats and we actually um, are planning to do some kayak cleanups this year. So if oh, anybody's wow. interested, kayak yeah, if you like paddling and yeah. kind of do your part in both ways, enjoy mm -hmm. the water um, recreationally, and then mm -hmm. also uh, do your part to help clean it up. That sounds like a blast. I, and, and you can find out more about that at the website? Yep, on your, our website, yep. or you can contact us directly at the, okay. at the email, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I will mention, too, because I have to, it's not a shameless plug, but uh, you can find the Friends of Detroit River at the Southern Wayne County Regional Chambers website because they're amazing chamber <laughs> members as well. So swcrc.com. And I'm sure you guys are probably on Facebook and yes, know, a lot yep, of the major yeah, social media social channels. Social medias, yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. So here's a, a follow-up question um, for you, Mackenzie. Reversing decades of pollution doesn't just happen, and I'm sure you know that from a lot of your efforts uh, cleaning up the river. And the Detroit River is obviously a crucial strait in the Great Lakes ecosystem, as we've been talking about. It's both an important trade route and source of our drinking water in southeast Michigan. Just how important is the health of the Detroit River to our region? Well, it's very important. It's a loaded question. Yeah, not not <laughs> only for our on uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's very important not only for our fish and wildlife, but mm -hmm. also for the residents that live around here. I mean, mm -hmm. we also rely on clean water, and it it is all one entity. Um, the mm -hmm. same water that's being rained on your roof and taking down your stormwater drain is being flushed into these systems. And mm -hmm. clean water really um, has many different aspects. Uh, the type of work that DNR and Friends of the Detroit River do is just one type of aspect of that. Um, and I really think that people can uh, really connect uh, personally to this by integrating different aspects of rain gardens um, and impervious, uh, reducing impervious surfaces around their homes mm -hmm. and in their own landscapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and we were just a moment ago, we were talking about um, some of the things that we saw in the river in Lake Erie in the 70s and you know moving through the 80s but I mean truly and I think you know, the, the reputation of the Detroit River and Lake Erie has changed dramatically over the past couple of years people want to come down here and visit Lake Erie Metro Park and go out on a boat and do walleye fishing and and, and you know when you look at Detroit River it's it's a beautiful blue color now it's gorgeous uh, it, what what are the how has the perception changed bob yeah i, I you know i i think i'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how we got here and and, and what yeah, led to that absolutely. um you know we talked about um this, uh, we're actually there's a lot of anniversaries this year but uh, we're celebrating the anniversary of earth day 
But we're also selling the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act and the Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement between the United States and Canada. Um, the Clean Water Act really was uh, the legislation in enacted uh, and signed by Richard Nixon in 72 that really started uh, putting uh, um, um, some regulations on discharges from uh, um, uh, industrial sources as well as municipal sources. And those were really some of the, the, the real impacts of the Detroit River. And once those uh, um, um, were enacted, um, we started to make uh, a lot of progress in, in cleaning up the river. Mm -hmm. um, the Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement uh, um, also was the one that enacted the uh, um, air area concerns, which Detroit is one, and that's what we've been working on, and that's what's been providing the funding for all the habitat restoration work and a lot of sediment remediation that we're going to be doing too. That's another aspect of, of, of things that are going to help clean up the river even better than it is. So it's amazing, you know, you know, where we came from at the turn of the century and where we are today. It's been a long road, but there's still more to do. But as you say, if you go out there and see the, the populations of fish, the people yeah. that are able to recreate and swim in the summertime, yeah. um, just you know, the, the economic value it's bringing to the uh, Detroit River, um, it's amazing. It's night and day from what it was 50, 60 years ago. It truly is. And, and I'm glad you brought those points up, Bob, because uh, you know, there's been a lot of um, effort you know, put into changing and improving the quality of the river and, and of Northern Lake Erie where we live here. Um, and I just want to say kudos to the three of you, you guys, you've just done a phenomenal job. And uh, I don't know where we would be as a region without the efforts of your organization. So thank you so much. And I want to talk a little bit, as, as you know, today's podcast is about um, downriver fishing. So I want to talk about some of the great fishing spots that you can find in the downriver region. And I'm going to answer my earlier question about how far the, um, the Detroit River um, uh, drawing a blank, not platform, but uh, help fishing me out here, pier. fishing pier, thank you, uh, how far that extends into Detroit River, and I have the answer right in front of me. So I want to talk a little bit about the new refuge gateway at the Detroit River International Refuge, which is located in Trenton. Now this site offers compelling shore, a great, a very compelling shore fishing experience with a fishing pier, and here it is, that extends 775 feet into the Detroit River and is one of the premier shore fishing facilities in all of the Great Lakes. Now, that's amazing to think that's located right here in the Downriver region in the city of Trenton. It is free, which is even better, universally acceptable, uh, accessible to all people, including those with disabilities, that's extremely important, and it's open seven days a week during daylight hours. So, uh, Bob, I'm gonna ask you another, maybe a follow-up question, and, and actually all three of you can chime in on this. Um, what are some of the great places to fish along the Detroit River? Well, I think you, you mentioned that. Certainly, like I say, the, the refuge fishing pier being in the location that is right in the heart of... It's like the of, premier spot. The premier yeah. spot, and, and yeah. it was well designed to, to put it there. But we have fit, you know, pretty much all up and down the Detroit River. For walleye, um, you can catch walleye all the way up above Detroit there around uh, Pesh Island, uh, where the uh, mouth of uh, Lake St. Clair uh, meets the Detroit River. Um, anywhere we have gravelly spawning areas, uh, um, you can do that around uh, through the Trenton Channel, over on around the other side of Gros Seal there by Stony Island, between Gros Seal and, uh, and Stony Island, uh, down in the south area around uh, Sugar Island on mm -hmm. the uh, on the uh, um, 
east side of the island. There's mm -hmm. a cutback there that uh, mm -hmm. is good for walleye. Perch pretty much all around the Detroit River, anywhere you know the, around the weed beds and things, and around the islands, we've got great perch fisheries. Mm -hmm. Again, there's certainly you know plenty of fisheries out into the Lake Erie and uh, yeah. and, and and farther down uh, towards uh, Toledo in that area. Yeah, and I think about some of the you know our riverfront downriver communities like the city of River Rouge. You have Mariners Memorial Lighthouse yeah. right there at yeah. uh, uh, Bellinger Park, um, and and Ecorse, uh, you know Dingle Park, and of course you know Wyandotte at Bishop Park, and um, going all the way down back down to Trenton at Elizabeth Park. And there's a lot of great spots where people can fish where they don't need a boat, and no. you can take advantage of the great you know fishing opportunities we have in the region. And I actually have in front of me a list of 15 spots. Um, that you know are considered maybe some of the best places downriver to fish, like Hurok Park and Flat Rock, um, you know, which is along the Huron River, which so not the Detroit River, but the Huron River is also another great spot to do some uh, excellent fishing as well. And actually, on the screen here, we have the listing of 15 spots, and I'll just kind of point out maybe a couple of those. I mentioned Elizabeth Park in Trenton, uh, Hull's Trace in Brownstown Township. Uh, which is right, you know, kind of like at the very southern part of Downriver, right before you, you enter Monroe, Monroe County. Lake Erie Metro Park in Brownstown Township. Uh, Lower Huron Metro Park. I, I mentioned Ballinger Park in River Rouge, right at the Lighthouse. Uh, Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge, of course. And there's, there's so many other great places. So I want to encourage all the, the listeners. Of course, you can't see what's on our screen here, but if you're watching us, um, visually, you can see the, these amazing 15 places in the Donovan region, and I know there's, there's, there's so many more as well. Uh, but we're going to kind of switch topics here, and as we wrap things up, I want to focus a little bit about the, the different fish species that you can find in the Detroit River and northern Lake Huron, and even the Huron River as well. And I know we have a great graphic that we're going to put up, actually did just put up, put up, we just put up on the screen rather. Um, that shows visually some of those species, and you can see there's you know some pretty large fish on there, but there's also some great mid-sized and smaller fish as well. Um, so a good question, probably for all of you. So feel free to chime in because I know you're all very passionate about um, our fishing species or fish species that we have. What are the, some of the top species anglers can hope to catch in our area? Yeah, so I think in this region we are blessed beyond belief with mm -hmm. the fish diversity that we have. So from the St. Clair River down to Lake Erie, um, a lot of water bodies are known for being, you know, the Bass Lake or the Walleye Lake. But although Walleye probably gets the most, um, you know, the spotlight, most yeah. Um, yeah. the diversity of fish that you have a really, really good chance of catching is just astounding. And yeah big, you know, fish. So muscalunge fishing in the mm -hmm. Detroit River and Lake St. Clair is excellent, world-class, um, yeah. I would say. As Bob mentioned, perch, um, really good bass fishing, um, lake sturgeon, so one of the only areas in the Great Lakes um, that has a fishery for lake sturgeon, and that is becoming um, a lot more popular, particularly yeah. on the St. Clair River, just a really unique opportunity. Um, most of that fishing is catch and release. Um, same thing that we're seeing now with bass. A lot more people are practicing catch and release um, fishing. So just the pure enjoyment of getting out there um, mm -hmm. and having a great day on the lake. Um, freshwater drum is something that people wow. are going to catch a lot. A lot. Um, the silver bass, the run has been a little bit smaller the last few yep. years, but 
during years of um, really big runs, you know, you'll just see people literally like Bob and I next to each other, a oh, whole yeah. line, you know, fishing to get, get the bass. So that, that's amazing. And, and you mentioned Lake Sturgeon. Um, I think it was, I think I had mentioned this earlier in the podcast um, that uh, there was a record, uh, uh, there was, how would you word it? Um, probably one of the largest lake sturgeon that has ever been caught right on the Detroit River or the or Lake Erie. Am I, am I, am I remembering that correctly, Rich? Um, and yeah. do you know, does anybody know how large that Lake Sturgeon was by any chance? Oh gosh. That was in the news? Um, <laughs> it was over six feet, I Two, believe. 220 yeah. pounds. Yeah. So yeah, oh so Lake, Lake Sturgeon um, are very long lived, so they can live to be over a hundred years old, particularly wow. the females. So yeah. yeah, that's why they are really, you know, uh, yeah. um, one of those that you really have to have the habitat and the water quality because they're not even going to spawn until yeah. they're 20 years or older. Oh so gosh. we've come a long way that we're able to have sturgeon that big in the yeah. system. Yeah, so. that are that big and potentially over a hundred years old. Uh, I mean, that's that's absolutely remarkable. And I was again on your screen is a picture of the different fish species, and I'm just going to um, kind of mention real quick what you're seeing, what you're uh, looking at on your screen. Um, as Sarah had mentioned, a lot of these: the silver bass. Largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, the rock bass, yellow perch, white perch, bluegill, the uh, crappie. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? Crappies. 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 The crappie. Northern pike, uh, muscalunge, walleye, the brown bullhead, carp, and channelfish. Wh which one is the brown bullhead? Can somebody describe that to me? I don't. I don't recall exactly what small that is. Small catfish type. Ah. Looking. Okay, a small catfish small. type. Okay, gotcha. Is it actually brown? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 kind of brown and green. It's very good. Um, so walleye fishing on the Michigan side of the lower Detroit River, which the area we know is downriver today, brings in more than $1 million to local communities each, each spring. So going back to my earlier question about the economic impact. So uh, good question again, probably for all of you guys. Um, is how does a healthy river impact the economic environment? And again, as a chamber president, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, serving our local business community. Uh, but how does this, how does local fishing impact our small businesses and maybe even our nonprofits as well? Do you want me to? You want to take sure, that on, Bob? You, yeah. you, you hit on it last time. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, I, I, I kind of go back to the history of the river, and I keep referring back to the, the earlier years when things weren't as nice out on the river. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you think of the, the heavy industry along the shoreline. As Sarah mentioned, you know, there's oil spills. Mm -hmm. It really it wasn't conducive for, for recreational activity. People didn't really have a connection to the river if it wasn't for work yeah. and related. There wasn't a lot of recreation due to accessibility and, and just the quality of the water. Um, so, uh, you know, now that things have cleaned up, you know, it, it's, uh, you know it's, it's bringing a lot to the area as far as uh, economic value. You, you look at the amount of money that comes in um, from um, the tournaments we have and just the general fishing population that's in the river during the springtime, you know, it's millions of dollars that come into the hotels, to the, to the restaurants, to the fish shops, you know, just generally bringing that in. Yep. But, but the, 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 the abilities now with the cleaner water 
and, and, uh, and the accessibility to be able to put a boat in. You can go out and you can swim. You can go to some of the islands that are, that are held under the public trust through either the, the state or through the federal government, and you can anchor and, and spend a day out there. Um, you can fish, you can bird watch, you can kayak. I mean, it's just so many things you can do now that really you know, wasn't conducive years ago. And, mm -hmm. and, and again, accessibility, and, and, and I guess maybe Mackenzie might want to talk about stewardship and, and bringing people close to the river. They understand the value of it. And, and, get, and get a sense of, um, of the stewardship aspect of it. I think that's an important point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, we really try to make these public, or these areas, these natural areas, accessible to the public because really um, to care about something and to value it, you, ha you have to know it, you have to experience it and be mm -hmm. a part of it. And yeah. Um, yeah. so bringing in that momentum is, is a really big aspect of stewardship. Mm -hmm. um, and then, obviously educating on best management practices and, mm. and keeping it the way that we've um, so hardly restored, uh, mm. very, you know, taken lots of years and, and resources to restore and we want to hopefully keep it that way yeah. for future generations. So um, yeah. once kind of the, the funding has, has trickled down, we mm. really are um, relying on our local residents to yeah. kind of pick that up and, and be the stewards of the land so it doesn't revert back into yeah. um, any stages that we previously had. Yeah, do you see, um, you, I've, we obviously get a lot of people that will come out of town this time of the year, um, and I, I do see a lot of fishing boats at, you know, in hotel parking lots throughout Southgate and, you know, other communities, Woodhaven and others. Um, do you find that a lot of the people that do come in from out of town are very respectful to the, to our, you know, local, um, uh, you know, environment and they, they take good care of the river when they're here visiting? Yeah, I would yeah. say for the most part, mm -hmm. we, we do see that. Um, and where we don't, we just try to educate. educate and, yeah. and and that's really where we, we stand with that is yeah. just trying to make sure that we're all on the same page. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if they're coming here to fish, they mm -hmm. obviously are, you know, they enjoy yeah. that and respect it. And mm -hmm. um, we just ask that they keep mm -hmm. it keep that way for future generations. Yeah, and, and it truly is, you know, a major economic impact. Um, and, and like I mentioned just a moment ago, I do see a lot of fishing boats and, you know, trucks and things like that that come and will be staying at local hotels. And that's obviously bringing money into the into the uh, local economy, but also visiting local restaurants and small business retail shops. And, um, you know, that, that, that has a huge impact on the entire Down River community. Um, and it helps to, you know, employ our region's um, uh, workforce uh, and, and keeps our businesses healthy. And, and it's such an important part of this whole conversation today is that economic impact. Um, so before we wrap up today's podcast, uh, I do want to ask the three of you, I want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything else that you might want to say that you feel is uh, an important part of this conversation? I'd like to uh, talk a little bit uh, more about, the, we were talking about different fish species and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, the, and the resurgence of some of them. Um, you know, some of the work, you know, a lot of, a lot of planning and design went into to each of the habitat restoration projects we did. And again, the benefit is, you know, trying to create uh, um, additional population and, and habitat for them. I think another one, I talked about the mud puppy earlier, but I think another good uh, example is uh, small and largemouth bass. Yeah. Um, a lot of the work that we've done with these large reefs and, and shoals that we're building and, and protected areas um, of the river, trying to break the current, we created areas that, that uh, what we call warm water or shallow nesting fish that make nests like bass and crappies and some. 
areas to where they can spawn and 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 uh, and, uh, and and have a nursery area mm. is having a tremendous impact on on the number of fish and populations. We you know I, when I why was a kid in the seventies. We hardly ever caught any bass in the river. There wasn't that many smallmouth and certainly largemouth bass. Yeah. Now they're a dominant species, and I think you know the cleaner water, um, better habitat, and, and some of the structural uh, things that we're doing to try to create more habitat for them are really benefiting. Benefiting, and like you say, it's not just the fish. I mean, every everything yeah. that we do has a uh, impact on other species, from from birds to animals to aquatics to. Uh, to uh, everything uh, that utilizes the area. So. Mm, that's great, good point, Bob. I, I think when I was a kid, I remember, it seemed like every fish that I caught was a bluegill. And that was like, to me, that was the worst because uh, you know they have these spine or these, you know what would you call it <laughs> on the, the top? Gills, yeah. And yeah, the, these and gills, the and you have to like take your hand a certain way to, so you don't get poked by it. And like, I hated catching blue, bluegill and it seemed like every time I caught a bluegill. Uh, but, but it's good to hear that you're actually, we actually are, have a good amount of bass and walleye now, and as a matter of fact, almost over 100 million now. Uh, you know, maybe next year projected uh, population. So with the walleye, so a lot. Of, I think this was a great conversation. Uh, I really appreciate the three of you joining us today at the, on the Destination Downriver podcast, and uh, thank you so much. So, you know, Mackenzie, Sarah, and Bob, you guys are tremendous leaders in our region, and greatly appreciate your ongoing efforts to protect our ecosystem. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we're you. happy to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, my name is Ron Henricks. I've been your host today. I want to just kind of wrap things up by saying um, uh, this, you know, this is a very, very important topic. And the fact is, is that bringing, supporting our local Detroit River community and, of course, Northern Lake Erie really does have a major impact on our entire community. And it does have an economic impact for the chamber members, the small business community and nonprofits that are out there watching this today. Um, I want to encourage you to support our, the Friends of the Detroit River, of course, the work of the DNR and others um, who are just having a tremendous impact on our entire community. But I also want to take a moment to thank our good friend Greg Kowalski, today's sponsor, of course, at Allegra Print and Marketing in the beautiful city, Riverfront community of Wyandotte. And I want to thank you, the listener, for listening. And thank you to our esteemed panel members, of course, again, and please visit the Destination Downriver website, destinationdownriver.com, and our Facebook page to find out about next month's podcast, where we'll be talking about the abundant network of trails and waterways to get outside and enjoy the warm spring weather, weather that will undoubtedly return. It will, even though it's a little bit cold right now, we know that that weather is coming. So thank you again to our sponsor, once again, Allegra Print and Marketing and Wyandotte, Mr. Greg Kowalski, your Greatly appreciated where your marketing success can start happening today. And I want to say a special thank you to the City of Taylor Media Center. Carl Zymack and all of our great friends here at the Media Center have been absolutely phenomenal to work with and really have taken this podcast to the next level. So thank you again. And we will see you on next month's Destination Downriver podcast. Have a great day.